0: I think at the end we're all looking to understand who we are through films. What I've always wanted to do is uh, take pictures. I
1: believe that in this world everybody is uh, born equally. Because this is how you change your little piece of the world, by doing what you love. A
0: script or, uh, or an idea, I have to
1: like brew it like the perfect cup of tea. As recent university graduates with a lack of job prospects and a lot of free time on their hands, especially now, Pauline and I attempt to be quizzical, intelligent and active women on the hunt for juicy nuggets of advice, news and insight. So, RLC Sounds presents to you, Creating Waves. Kicking off this episode, we are joined by Lorena Levy, an artist who explores her cystic fibrosis through painting. Hey Lorena, how are you?
2: Hey, I'm alright, thank you. How are you? Yeah, all good. All good. Thank you for joining us. Thank
0: you for having me. I'm quite excited No to problem. We got such a good response from your submission to the Tide. Um, it was just amazing to see how many people responded to it. And this uh, is the page. It's like super popular. People are like clicking on it um, like crazy. So it's really, it was amazing outcome. And rightly so, because like your paintings are just incredible.
2: Oh, wow. Thank you so much.
1: Um, so we're going to jump straight in. and um, The first question is, what is the name of your boat?
2: I think the name is uh, The Gentle Vessel, because something that's kind of contained me through my life is gentleness, both from family, from medical intervention, let's say. Um, I think something that has supported me has been tenderness, gentleness, something I <clears throat> find in... Doing art is is quite a gentle craft, painting and soothing in that sense. So I think something it's it's uh, gentleness is something that has kind of followed me through my life, and I've been lucky enough to have parents who have treated all of my issues, be it to do with cystic fibrosis, be it to do with kind of mental health that goes from having cystic fibrosis it's with a lot of care and it's sort of like they've, they've kind of had this idea of like handle with care throughout my life which sounds a bit extreme but like it really has helped with every other aspect so that cystic fibrosis definitely wasn't a constant barrier for doing anything. Um, and also my doctors, I've been lucky enough to have amazing teams always from the very, very start when I... It, They've always treated me with a lot of attention and awareness for the fact that I was going through this illness through childhood, where things are obviously very tricky. And then also in later life, becoming an adult with an illness that was sort of the same, uh, I had to be treated with a lot of gentleness,
0: really. Yeah. Beautiful. Like I had never thought about it in answering it in that way or using that kind of description but I guess it does, yeah, beautifully falls on like every aspect of your life in that sense.
1: It's kind of like slow and steady wins the race, really. You don't need to rush anything.
2: Mm, It's something that my mum always talks about. It's kind of how with everything I need to sort of approach it with a lot of tenderness, because that's how they've approached things with me and helped me grow. And I think, that kind of goes with sort of everything in life. If you approach it with a gentle touch, there's more room for flourishing, really.
0: <laughs> no, definitely, <laughs> I, I agree with that. My plan's the same, but also just being someone who's innately just like impatient um, is very hard, <laughs> but yeah.
2: <laughs> and where would you say you're sailing from? I think I will be sailing from Kalpazankaya, which is, a cliff top area in an island called Burgazada, which is just off Istanbul. And this is an island that I went to throughout my childhood. My parents met in that island when they were like early teens. Everyone kind of goes there from like sort of the start of their life from this community in Turkey, in Istanbul. They always go there. And Karpozan Kaya was, um, is a really special place right at the top of the island where I remember getting my first kind of taste of drawing, really. I was really young and um, my mum's friend is an artist and she came with a whole host of, like, oil pastels, chalk pastels, everything, and was like, we're just going to draw the view, we're going to draw the sea, we're going to draw this, and I just fell in love with it straight away. I had such a support from my mum and my dad to kind of really express really take my time with drawing and that's a place that i sort of think everything kind of kicked off in terms of appreciation for taking time in in art really well so it wasn't directly your family but
0: actually a family friend which kind of was the person who inspired you because i was going to ask if your family were artistic at all and if that was the reason why you were
2: into painting well yeah so my my family they, they aren't really in like art as professions or careers but my mum's always had a big interest in art and especially she still does like ceramics and she did it for as long as I can remember but she's a psychoanalyst and when she was at university she was also doing some side stuff with art therapy and when she was doing this art therapy, this artist who she became friends with was the one she was working with. So that's where their relationship formed. And she kind of... When my mum said, I want Lorena to have some kind of outlet outlet for maybe some struggles she has with her own body, with her own life, as, you know, everyone does, this, but maybe a bit more potently at such a young age, then this woman said well, yeah, I'd love to facilitate that because she had materials available, she had time available and she was sort of the one who got it quite, you know, kick-started it in a big way. Amazing,
0: and... The island as well. Like, I remember you telling me when we were in Budapest. Yeah. <laughs> but hi, your parents met. It's an amazing story because it's... That's amazing. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so there are, like, four islands just off of Istanbul. They're about 40 minutes by ferry. And in Istanbul, there's a big uh, Turkish-Jewish community that all flock to the island in summer. And there's, like, a big synagogue on the island that people who... Practice on Fridays or Saturdays, we'll go to, and everyone just knows each other. It's like the tiniest place, there is so much gossiping going on in that place. Everyone knows everyone's business, but it's it feels a bit like home like you're so familiar with your surroundings. They're in it's a very safe environment. People, the kids are walking around with their friends from very young, and everyone feels very secure. There are no cars. There's literally only like horse carriages. It's very, very kind of strange and old fashioned, but it's got a very, very special place in my heart and my family's heart and everyone who goes there. Yeah,
1: how, wait, everyone from one community goes to the island as well?
2: Definitely. I think during this time actually of coronavirus in the summer, people went to the island quite early just to because it was a huge escape from the city and somewhere that was safe because they were just staying there for months and months and it kind of worked for them in a way and they stayed for the whole summer um but yeah escape actually does yeah it it can be a bit of an escape i think
1: making me really want to go to this island <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm try. I try to like whenever I tell my friends they're like okay so when are we gonna when are you gonna take us to the island I'm like we'll go as soon as this is over we'll all go to the island <laughs> they'd be love- like the guide <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: oh my god yes
2: <laughs> with a little flag like yeah. I see this? With- on the horse
1: and carriage <laughs> And so where are you sailing to?
2: I am sailing to Edinburgh, actually. I am hoping to finish my studies this year at Edinburgh, and it will be my fifth year. I'm not yet finished with what I'm trying to achieve in my art studies and with history of art studies as well. Um, And at the same time this year, I'm hoping to start this new drug Trikafta or Caftrio, which I'll only be able to take once I'm in Edinburgh. So Edinburgh is a big part of my life right now to look forward to. And something that's exciting, but kind of nerve wracking and a little bit uncertain because of everything with this pandemic, because a lot of my friends have already graduated. uh, They finished their fourth years. Um... And because I don't know what it'll be like with this new medication, I don't know when exactly I'll start. Um, I don't know what the effect of it will immediately be. But I'm definitely looking forward to that that destination. What are the kind of common misconceptions that people have about
0: cystic fibrosis? Or has there any, have you experienced like Stigma? Are there things that you always have to explain to people? Um, Is there always like one question that people always ask?
2: A lot of questions have been on if it gets worse with time, actually. And someone once asked if it was like, uh, oh, they recognised it as a degenerative disease. And I was like, okay, that's a bit of a bleak way of putting it. But... um, (laughs) it's um yeah Yeah. Um... also are they thinking about
1: your reaction and response to this when they're asking these questions was it purely just curiosity that's i I think
2: sometimes it's just curiosity or sometimes it's like oh yeah i I know what the illness is it's the one with the it's the one that's a degenerative disease and it's like you got it (laughs) that one like, what do you want me to say to that (laughs) so (laughs) um but a lot of people who are a bit more kind of sensitive, I guess, ask um <laughs> about how, they ask a lot about pain, actually. And they ask, does it hurt a lot when you cough? Because, you know, when I see you coughing a lot, I think, is it hurting? Or, you know, does it make you feel so, so tired? And it's more kind of questions that, from something that they see straight in front of them of them such as the coughing and it's very easy to kind of explain what how the coughing does feel and to be honest for me it it doesn't hurt it's just tiring to do at an excessive pace but um some people have asked kind of about death and have said oh i've heard that cf patients die like kind of early and I'm I don't think of that as a horrible question to ask because mortality is something that everyone thinks about I've thought about and it's it's kind of maybe it's hard to talk about but it's something that is quite important as a you know as a tangent of cystic fibrosis so there there are a whole host of of different kinds of questions and some people do a lot of kind of their own research before asking me because they'll ask something and then kind of follow it with like oh yes because I read about da 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 and I'm like wow how did you know that like I um I just wanted to look for it myself as well as speaking to you but lots of different kinds of questions and but I think most of the people that have asked me questions are very aware of like the fact that they are asking me and I will have some kind of reaction to it. Um, Mm. And they've been sensitive with it and been gentle with it. Growing up, how was coming to
1: terms with the idea of that or just being aware of that at such a young age? Was it daunting or was it just something you sort of accepted?
2: It was something that I remember asking my mum about when I was really young, after I had a, a bad dream. And I was... I, I said something about death and kind of, what is it? And I, I was like, I don't want to die. And she's, she, her response, I remember, I can't remember exactly what it was, I just remember it kind of comforted me. Um, because when I was growing up, there wasn't something from, I never really saw like fear from my parents or family in regards to my mortality. And there was never something that, was like oh there's a lot of risk going on with your illness it means you can't do this it means you can't do that there's um if you catch this bug that is very very dangerous and what does danger lead to like death it it was never like that so i only kind of started to think about mortality a lot later when I had my own opinions on medication I was taking, on how my body was developing with this illness, how in those occasions that have been, like, more bumpy than others, when death has been spoken about. um, Not as, like, you know, plainly as that, but it's always kind of... There was an air of it. And now I've sort of... Talking about it doesn't really make me that scared because I think the older we get the kind of more we think about it in greater terms it was just that I maybe earlier on had it around as like something that was kind of talked about at that time but I think definitely the older I got the more comfortable it was to talk about especially with friends I don't find it too uncomfortable or scary let's say
1: yeah I was just really interested to hear your thoughts on that how does cystic fibrosis impact your life and your sense of identity
2: something that I think something that's changed throughout my life is the sort of why me attitude because when I was younger when I wouldn't be able to do things like go on a particular school trip that was like Abroad because I wasn't feeling well, or I wasn't able to do a. I wasn't able to go into school for a couple of weeks I was having IV treatments. I was always like, "Oh, why me? Why me?" And then my dad, especially, kind of instilled this idea of like, "This needs to be a question that stops because why anyone with anything, like yes, this is a hard illness to deal with. This these are sort of the cards you've been dealt." But it's now about how you go from there. Everyone everyone has their own stuff going on in their life. This is something you've got. And why don't you look at the good aspects of your life? Why don't you say, why me? For the fact that you've got a really, really supportive family. The fact that you've got friends. The fact that you've got a passion such as art at that time and still now. Like, it kind of made me look at things in a broader perspective, and not try and be, like, the sufferer or the victim. Obviously, in times when things are especially hard, when I feel especially unwell, your mind creeps into that, but something that I really, really have tried to instill in myself is to stop this attitude of, why me? And that's really come with having an illness, actually, and, um, it's, I, I think I've just started to think about myself in other ways than just my body. Because when your body fails you, in a way, um, you, you have to think about other aspects of your life and other aspects you want to enrich. And yes, you want to keep your body kind of as well as can be. But when it's not functioning and you've only known it to be the way that it doesn't function as, a, as everyone else... I've started, that's where I kind of got into trying to have, like, a real, real passion of something that I can try and improve and try and cultivate. And I think that's, those are the kind of two main things I've sort of had from having cystic fibrosis. It
1: sounds like your dad really flipped your um, thinking on its heads and turned it from Mm. half empty to half full, so to speak. Um,
2: Yeah, Absolutely.
1: I feel like that is a very important thing to to have learned at a young age, irregardless of whatever's going on in your life.
2: Definitely. Sounds
1: very wise.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah, he's I would say he's quite he's quite wise. He likes to be a bit like philosophical on things. And from an early age he sort of wanted to put that right in there. And I mean it's helped for looking at how I've been sort of looking at life since then
0: what was the kind of process of represent like presenting yourself in this painting and your body was that therapeutic or yeah just yeah what was the process like
1: came to mm. my head
2: too um it was definitely quite therapeutic quite cathartic and it are you talking about the one with the two torsos yeah so that i did that after after just starting a well, I was doing tests to possibly be on a clinical trial that year and it didn't work out because of some other factors. But after the those tests, I thought about the idea of, like, what is a healthy body from the outside? What looks like a healthy body from the inside? What is a healthy body? And it, it was a really interesting way of sort of Thinking about how bodies just aren't exactly what they seem, as soon as you sort of see them, especially with with my body, and um, at that point as well, I thought like that particular things just weren't working in my favor, even for the kind of whole circle, sur- like the wider net of what would work for a cystic fibros- cystic fibrosis body because I didn't get onto this trial. And it um, it was a a real, it was kind of like the first painting I did, really, that was very, very clearly looking at my cystic fibrosis. And it was a little bit, I, I was sort of a little anxious going into it, but as soon as I started, I found it quite, I found it very calming to do and very reflective on a lot of things to do with my life, to do with the illness, really.
0: I mean, it must've been such a having, I mean, you can see so much from these paintings. They're so powerful. And I never knew about this, the clinical trial.
2: Yeah, it was the first trial I've ever been on, but I wasn't, I didn't even go that far because, It was something to do with my lung function, didn't match, like, all of the participants, so there wasn't really much point in me going on it. But it was, um, yeah, it was sort of a strange time where it was kind of exciting and then also disappointing to not be on it. But I was kind of nervous to be on it before, because obviously you think about the side effects, you think about how it will impact your whole life. So it was like a weird mix of emotion. Yes, yeah,
1: so it would have been just such a strange experience to witness behind the scenes of, like, trialling drugs in general. Um, has there ever been a time when the boat has rocked to
0: and fro?
2: I think almost every year there's a moment when the boat rocks to and fro because there are so many unexpected things that come with life, like, even this year you've got the pandemic, You uh, this year as well in summer, my parents' separation, something that's rocked the boat a lot, um, but also that's rocked it in terms of what my relationship is going to be with them to do with the the cystic fibrosis as well, because I think they've been a very united, supportive front. Um, but at the same time as that, there's been this new announcement of the NHS deal with CAF so... That kind of put it into smooth sailing again, um I think there there's definitely been it's it's kind of always a bit of a rocky boat and but that's I guess what makes the journey a little bit more interesting to look back on <laughs> like i I mean I kind of always say like whenever something is bad or whenever something goes not as planned. I'll always say like, oh, it's for the memoirs and during it, like, it's a horrible feeling, but after, I mean, you just look back on it and think about the kind of journey that you had and where you're going to go from there.
1: Have sharks ever circled around the boat? And if so, what do these sharks represent? And how did you fend them off? So it's a similar sort of strand, but maybe something that's a
2: little bit deeper. Um, I guess some of my sharks are... Uh, possibly lack of self-belief. Um, it's taken a long time to kind of believe in my own artwork, even. Uh, I still now, most of the paintings I do, I'm critical of. And um, just, uh, I think self-belief is something that has taken a long time to try and achieve. And self-doubt does creep in a lot. Overthinking is a a big one for me. Um, Overthinking on what I'm creating, on how I am in certain parts of my life and how I am with other people. Um, Overthinking on if this particular route of treatment will work for me, on how it'll work for me. I get very in my own head and um that's something that I've still still trying to fend off. <laughs> I don't know how successfully, but definitely like overanalyzing, overthinking, kind of feeling a bit uh anxious with those those fears. I
1: was gonna say those are all
2: very like natural
1: um fears to have as well for someone like of our age. I mean, yeah, it's one I feel like we've gotten many times,
0: I think. Um, having believed, like believing in yourself and um, being confident enough and to be able to say my work is good um, or even just say I am an artist or I am a filmmaker. Or I am, you know, that's, that's, you know, and also even just like being able to share and present your work is such a big step to take. Um, and that shows confidence for sure. Has there been a piece of news that's caught your attention this week? It can be like funny or sad or... Shocking.
2: Well, we love, Pauline, we love Real Housewives. And I don't know if it was this week that we heard that Dorinda has been kicked off at Real Housewives of New York, which is a travesty. Because I don't know if if you've watched Real Housewives. I have. I've dabbled. I'm not, like, an
1: avid follower, but I have dabbled. And when I dabble, I I get sucked in. It's like a black hole, and I have to, like, then pull myself out from it. So I haven't actually (laughs)
2: recently... But I mean, it's, I would recommend getting back insane. to it because she, yeah, yeah, really, she's, she's crazy. It's crazy. Always, crazy woman, there's always yeah. one, but really fantastic TV.
1: Like, the Real Housewives of she's, Atlanta yeah, but, and Orange County are the ones that I I binge because they're just <laughs> sassy. <laughs> sassy yeah,
0: is so true. I mean, New York, they're just like all mad. Like you know crazy. how you always have like one crazy one in the New York one. They, all, they're all crazy. Like all of them. Like, yeah. like, yeah, literally, Ramona is insane. But yeah, Dorinda <laughs> leaving. Her what like, are these names? Yeah,
2: that, <laughs> that piece
0: of Ramona,
2: Dorinda,
1: Luann,
0: Countess Luann,
1: Gossip Girl, Sonia Morgan, <laughs> Gossip Girl. It's, it, that's kind it of what I see it. I like, like, <laughs> the East is mean, like, like at 60. <laughs>
2: no way. Yeah. Upper East Side. It. I was like, yeah, what they're is like, like 60. Is- like,
1: Upper Manhattan. Manhattan. I was like, no, that's not it.
0: <laughs> um. oh, oh my god it's so good but yeah that was quite a shocking news and like so basically all these shows are called like they're under bravo so you call them you, it's called the bravo universe bravo oh, so universe so, jesus like christ yeah <laughs> and there's also bravo con which is oh. when you like go in i think it's in new york and you get to go and meet like all the bravo liberties which is all the i bravo. think we've oh, got to go fully in
2: one yeah <laughs> we have to get easier oh, yeah
1: to. they're
0: like They're all, like, pretty horrible people. They make um, great
1: TV. They make great TV. Great TV. Yeah, they're amazing.
0: That was definitely a sad piece of news for me, Mm. too. Mm. I feel your pain, (laughs) girls. I
1: feel your pain. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about your favourite artist and why. See if you can make it funny. It didn't really leave much wiggle room for that.
2: Definitely my favourite artist. I mean, one that's, like, inspired me a lot is Frida Kahlo. And she basically uses a lot of her life and her work and a lot of her struggle and suffering. And um, she's also just, she was an incredible painter. Um, I don't know how I can make it funny there because I was thinking about, I mean, one of my like favourite quotes of hers is um, uh, after her leg was, am- was amputated she said like feet what do I need them for when I have wings to fly and that in itself just was hugely inspirational I think for many many people just that the things that we think we need to survive if we've kind of got you know, enough strength in, inside we can keep going and that is not funny but it's just like <laughs> I set you a really yeah, hard challenge though.
1: it was yeah no that was a lovely a lovely quote and uh it kind of just proves to you what like you don't know what humans are capable of until you're like pushed to your limits and exactly. um, we never know when our limits are we just know how we feel when we're like being uh, challenged with something mm-hmm. so I couldn't agree more in that sense
0: definitely I agree and it's funny when these challenges come into your life like new beautiful things happen because yeah, of it exactly you realize things about yourself you hadn't before like but, um, this podcast
1: yeah
2: <laughs> 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 oh. amazing amazing
1: yeah this has been so fun, so fun. yeah it's I been so good you thank you so much oh thank you thank you now many of you may not know about the situation Since the 1980s, the RLC, once the world's fourth largest lake, has been decreasing in size because of human activities, mainly because of the mass industrial scale of growing cotton for fast fashion companies. Today, 90% of the lake has disappeared. This has had drastic and devastating effects on those who live there, including high rates of disease like tuberculosis, a lack of protection from elements and mass unemployment. In light of this, we are proud to
0: announce our partnership with two charities from the Owl Sea region in Uzbekistan. The World Owl Region Charity works to relieve the horrifying effects of the Owl Sea crisis on Uzbek towns. Through partnerships with local initiatives and with a range of cultural and educational projects, they aim to provide and promote global support.
1: The other charity is the Accelerator Lab of the UNDP in Uzbekistan, who seeks to cover the dried-up seabed with saxol a native drought resistant tree as part of their project, The Green Initiative. This organisation is part of the generation who witnessed the disappearance of the RLC in real time. They wish to be the generation who changes the course of history and creates the RLC forest.
0: We really
1: believe in their cause
0: and hope to provide a platform for their work.